Right. Everyone crams in here, pretending it's some sort of tropical paradise, while the ship implodes around them. If you want to select a different simulation... No, 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 no. This fake place is as good as any to die in, I suppose. Cheers. Transfer complete. Hello, and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that the year of 2023 had to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me on the bridge. This is Tyler Orton. Counting down the clock until the Millennium Gate can begin construction. <laughs> Wait, it's not constructed? I'm so confused. <laughs> you are very confused about the fact that the Millennium Gate, as depicted in the fan-favorite episode of Star Trek Voyager 1159, is not a real thing. I better cancel that ticket. <laughs> that was going to be my New Year's present to myself. <laughs> I'm going to Indiana. I just like hop on a bus and ride off. <laughs> That'd be a long bus ride um, from Vancouver to Indiana in the middle of winter. <laughs> well, I did book a week off, but we are here this week, folks. It's our annual kind of breakdown, looking back at the year and kind of tackling kind of the big events, the moments that made the show what it is, and looking at clips and bloopers and all that sort of thing. Tyler, this has become a very fun tradition. I think this year will be no different. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite episodes, uh, every single year that we do it. Um, Cam, 2023, uh, not quite as busy mm -mm. in terms of Star Trek content as last year was, in which we had like five different series like airing simultaneously. Um, we had, I guess, uh, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, Prodigy wrapped up, like, I think we got like maybe one or two episodes at the very, very start of the year. Um, mm -hmm. we got some very short treks as well. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Non-canon, <laughs> I guess. And then, of course, I, I think what um, generated the most buzz of all was, you know, uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3 as well. Um, so I say it wasn't <laughs> as busy a year as 2022. That's only because, like, 2022 was the craziest year I think we've ever had since starting the podcast. And uh, I don't know. 2023 was a very interesting, um, some highs, some lows, some, uh, uh, we, we felt whelmed. Not not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed at times, but whelmed at times, too. Yeah, I wonder if it feels just like a quieter year because of the previous year being so big and also kind of looking forward and seeing that we may have a little less Star Trek than we're used to as of these kind of new Kurtzman era. So maybe that's why, but it was a year that was very noteworthy in that it was like, it was big seasons of TV. The Return of Strange New Worlds was a really big event to have come back. That was a show that generated a lot of buzz. So there was a lot of excitement to see that show return. And we'd seen Anson Mount and Ethan Peck on the press rounds and on at conventions before the season came out, talking about the big swings they would take. So there was a lot of anticipation there. But also, yeah, Picard Season 3 was just like an atom bomb of excitement for Star Trek fans. Like the announcement that the TNG crew would be coming back, the anticipation of what that would even look like. So this was like a probably a noisier year than the year before. I would say so. Um, it's also the first calendar year since we've started the podcast that uh, 
there's no Star Trek Discovery at all. Uh, and so that, that was a bit of a change for us. Um, did you miss Star Trek Discovery this past year, Cameron? Um, I don't know. I recall seeing like a bumper reel or something like that they put out for Star Trek Discovery Season 5 this year. That was good. That, you know, I was tied it over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, it, it'll be an interesting year going into 2024 as well. I, I you know, spoiler alert, I, I think we're going to kick off our first episode of 2024 talking about that. But um, I, I, I think people might have to readjust expectations a little bit because there are some other big things going on, you know. Let's say the uh, the writers and actor strikes going on in Hollywood mm. that had an impact on production with regards to Strange New Worlds, you know. So, um, okay, <laughs> I, I I don't want to dive into what twenty twenty four holds for us until we get to it. But twenty twenty three overall, um, I think it was a so- I think it was a pretty solid year of Star Trek uh, as well as just for our podcast. I, I mean. It, it, I, I didn't find it as if we got like too caught up doing like the weekly reviews, you know, just remember last year, like we got barely any time to do kind of our off kilter rando, you know, uh, biggest WTF moments sorts of episodes that we usually do on subspace, you know, like it, it was just like episode review, like what like we, we had like 54 opportunities out of a 52 week year last year. And I, I had fun being able to kind of dive into our kind of, uh, tangential sort of fun podcast episode ideas as well yeah same here and I also did feel like while we did have a lot to review this season it felt like the episodes we were mostly reviewing especially when it came to Strange New Worlds and Picard season three there was like some genuine excitement it didn't feel like kind of like well we're back for the latest season as we go through you know not going through the motions but just kind of like re-experiencing the familiar those two seasons to me felt like a little bit of a rejuvenation because they were giving me Star Trek stories I hadn't quite seen before. And I mean, Strange New Worlds, yes, we'd seen that show before, but they had some episodes this season that really, we were not used to talking about episodes like some of the ones we saw on Strange New Worlds. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it, but yeah, there's so many like highs in Strange New Worlds. Okay, I'll jump forward like just a tiny, tiny bit. Like it, I think the absence of Anson Mount in the first half of Strange New World season two, it was felt, you know, mm-hmm. um, it definitely gave the opportunity for other, you know, smaller characters to kind of emerge. Um, it also gave uh, Pelia a lot of time to uh, fill up our <laughs> screens, you know, um, but I think it really speaks to what a classic character has been developed here with regards to Pike and Anson Mount taking the helm of this new series, you know. So his absence was definitely felt uh, throughout the, the first half of uh, the second season of Strange New Worlds as well. Yeah, it didn't feel like it impacted their ambition in terms of the types of stories they wanted to tell, but there was just like a little bit of a lower charisma factor in those early sections. I guess it probably gave them an opportunity to do the best they could with trying to get people on board with the Paul Wesley Kirk. And by the end of the season, I actually think they somewhat succeeded. And I think that character probably got a, got more attention earlier in this season than he might have had Anson Mount been ready to go to be the leading man for this show. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think I would say for the first like 70% of the season, you, you whenever Paul Wesley was on screen playing Kirk, 
and we would do our episode reviews, you and I couldn't help but notice like he just he doesn't have that same swagger yeah. that say one Chris Pine was able to emulate. You know, looking at the Kirk character, and, and that that was tough. But by the end of the season, I was like, oh, I kind of like, I get why he is kind of a fan favorite among you know kind of the genre fans you know him coming from the vampire diaries he does have like this charisma i just wonder it's tough to say how much like what was he purposely holding back to a certain degree versus kind of the material he was being given versus him just kind of figuring out how he's going to go about playing one of the most iconic roles in all of pop culture but I, i did come around on his performance by the end of the season and I think we've mentioned it before. I just wonder if, like, this guy's name was, you know, like, Lieutenant Joe Smith, how yeah. our reaction would be different versus him carrying the name of Jim Kirk. Yeah, it's just tough because, you know, William Shatner, we were just talking about it uh, last week when we talked about the Tholian Web, about how, like, Shatner is just like a movie star. He has that wattage every time he's on screen, and he's not even in that episode very much. And when they got, you know, Chris Pine to play that character in Star Trek 2009, they found basically a movie star. And Chris Pine has since gone on to become a pretty well-known, you know, figure in Hollywood. And so, like, I think there's a bit of an issue where it's like, Paul Wesley doesn't have that movie star wattage that those two have. And I, I think we can get a strong performance out of him, but I think there's something about... Just the way that, like, Kirk lights up a room that's, I mean, it's such a tough ask for an actor. And maybe it was never going to happen, but it's been a struggle, I think. Yeah, but I, I, you know, going into the third season, if and when he returns, I have a lot of optimism. You know, I, I, I think that he can find his way into this role. Just the difference we saw versus the season one finale versus where we got to by the end of season two i'm just like okay like yeah i i feel much more optimistic i think he understands and can convey kind of the emotional truth of kirk and the character journey i just need to recalibrate myself to not expect a rock star walking onto the bridge every time he appears um that, that that's what <laughs> that's what we have to do whenever i walk into a restaurant when you're uh, <laughs> hanging out I, I get it man I get it. Exactly. Yes. It's just like air guitars and headbanging. <laughs> uh, for listeners, uh, I am recording this. Uh, I've got one day left of work before I'm on uh, Christmas vacation. So uh, forgive me as you listen to me crack open a beer um, to enjoy uh, uh, my pre-holiday uh, libations. Um, and folks, I'll be working entirely through the holidays. So you'll just hear my tears. <laughs> uh, this is the sound of Cam's tears right now. I guess the sound of beer being poured into a glass doesn't really carry as as much. No, as No, it I really thought. doesn't. Yeah, it really like, doesn't. How is this not the New Year's episode? Like this should be New Year's Eve, not uh, going into Christmas. Should we record a New Year's Eve episode? Uh, one of these years. Cam? Oh boy. No, is that like the saddest New Year's? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying maybe we do it in the afternoon. Oh, okay, I was thinking like live stream. That's that's the way to do it. I think if you're going to do it New Year's Eve, but uh, we're, yeah. we're not even hanging out in person. It's <laughs> you and I are on Zoom. <laughs> we we live people. We live like what twenty five minutes away from each other. I, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, okay, so Kevin, uh, why don't we jump into kind of the calendar year of Star Trek? Uh, we kicked it off uh, twenty twenty three, kind of wrapping up 
Star Trek Prodigy, which really, you know, like season one ended at the start of the year and it really surprised us like how good it was. Like going into it, I thought it was going to be more of kind of like a, a kitty kid show. And mm-hmm. I, it turned into more of one of those kind of Pixar-esque family shows. And I was just blown away by the stories that they were telling, by how cinematic it looked. I've never seen Star Trek on television look so cinematic. And then we find out that um, Paramount Plus is like, yeah, uh, we don't want their show anymore, but uh, we're willing to <laughs> let the studio shop it around. And it, it's now landed on Netflix. Uh, season two will be going up sometime in 2024. I think this is the best thing possible that could have happened to Prodigy is getting it on the platform known as Netflix. There is not going to be any platform out there better than boosting the Star Trek brand than Netflix. And so I am like, this is the best thing I think that could have ever, I think, I think the cancellation of Prodigy is the best thing that ever happened to it. Yeah, I I agree. And that was kind of one of the low key stories about this year was like, what's going to happen with Prodigy? And you and I were really enamored with the show when we watched it and tracked the journey over season one, as sporadic as those episodes were in arriving. Uh, and it was interesting, like when we were in the convention this past summer, like that there was a, a very clear, like loyal fan base around Prodigy that is really excited to see it continue. And the creators of the show were really passionate. Like they were very much stumping at the convention for fan support to keep this show kind of alive. And I hope they succeed. I think the show deserves it. And you're right. Like, I think the likelihood of small kids stumbling across Star Trek Prodigy on Netflix is infinitely higher than small kids stumbling across it on Paramount Plus, which is not a thing that happens. <laughs> the kids are like, hmm, South Park or Star Trek Prodigy? What what do I watch? You know, um, yeah. I I I was listening to really fascinating. Um, podcast uh, earlier today, uh, The Town with Matt Bellany, um, the mm. founder, editor-in-chief of uh, Puck, um, the Hollywood sort of like uh, newsletter that goes out. He was interviewing, uh, you know, kind of uh, somebody in the business, and he, he said that the best thing that Paramount could do right now, and we'll jump into it in next year's episode about what 2024 might hold for Star Trek, but he said that the best thing Paramount could be doing right now is not trying to like sell its assets off, but try to license the content that it has and shut down Paramount Plus. And I'm just like, yeah. I, I think we know that Netflix has an appetite for Star Trek. I think that the mm-hmm. appetite is out there if only there is a platform that is as accessible as Netflix is. And I just, you know, like, I think it'd be a good thing if we could get as much Star Trek as possible on Netflix right now. Yeah, and it would also make things maybe a little more secure because who knows what the future holds for Paramount Plus. And we have a lot of beloved shows that are ongoing, you know, whether it is Lower Decks or Strange New Worlds. Like, I want these shows to be safe. I don't want to be, like, consistently concerned that they're just going to go off the air, not because people aren't watching, but because the streaming network is not performing the way it should be. Uh, You know, I don't know if you've been following at all the, like, Aquaman 2 uh, press rounds, Tyler, with yes, Jason Cam, I, that, I, that That's what I devote my life to right now. <laughs> well, I figured what are you it's talking about? But... Get out of here. <laughs> fill but me people... in. On... Cam, fill me in, please, on the Aquaman 2 press rounds that are currently going on. I'm not familiar. <laughs> well, it's basically people just saying to Momoa, like, 
you know, would you like to do a third one? And him saying, it's not looking good, guys. <laughs> it's not looking good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that from the Star Trek, you know, casts on these, like, shows I'm really enjoying. That would be so depressing. Cam, there's nothing, uh, back in the day, I think, I think it was 2002 when Firefly premiered. Mm. And I was watching it, like, uh, live as it was airing, you know, back in the day. Yeah. And it just, you're like the fans, the hardcore fans were looking at the ratings on like um, the interwebs at the time. They're just like uh, this dark cloud hanging over everyone's head, kind of knowing that the show could be canceled at any time. And it eventually did succumb to like kind of an early death. And it was just, it was just one of those stressful things that you don't want to have to deal with. Like as a fan, it was just just very gut wrenching having to deal with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Especially for like, uh, a show like Strange New Worlds, which has so much buzz and people were really excited. It would be such a bummer if it just like got scrapped because of streaming network performances versus like people aren't watching this show. Well, and that's just it. Like the reason Paramount Plus canceled Prodigy is, is OK. We were at the convention cam and we encountered mm-hmm. a big or, or, or a sizable number of fans of prodigy you know people wearing the kind of uh uniforms from that one planet you know um it was cool and, and the thing is we've had how many guests on the show and how many of them have actually watched any of prodigy like how many of our star trek fans yeah or friends i should say have watched <laughs> our all our fans <laughs> all our fans um my only fans um um <laughs> uh, like it, it's like I, you can just tell like nobody was watching the show and i it's it just such a bummer to hear but i also kind of get it because i think maybe going in a lot of people just assume it's like some sort of kitty show you know yeah and it's so often i'll hear um even like not related to prodigy but i'll hear on other podcasts someone bring up say like strange new worlds or picard whatever name your star trek show and other people on the podcast are like yeah i don't watch it i don't have paramount plus Uh, i know and it's like oh taking it back to the licensing thing like if we could get these star trek shows in front of more eyeballs like i think there would just be much more uh, much more support out there and you know something like you know the star wars universe on disney plus disney plus is a pretty gargantuan streaming service so they're going to do just fine but I think like Star Trek could have even more visibility and excitement and fandom around it if these shows were just on streaming networks that most people had. I'm just thinking back to last year, Cam. Uh, remember like, uh, what, like nine months of our year was filled up doing like Star Wars like episode reviews at the end of every subspace episode? You know, we had like, yeah. what, Boba Fett's, Obi-Wan, Andor, Mandalorian. It was just kind of like just this constant content stream. But it was fun to do because like, we had so much Star Trek going on at the same time. So just being able to contrast like where those respective high profile franchises were going in terms of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would say quality wise, Star Trek has outperformed Star Wars lately. Um, not including Andor, like Andor was fantastic. But like when I look at say like the last little bit of the Mandalorian, like season three Mandalorian, um, I didn't watch Ahsoka, but I didn't hear uh, yeah, Boba Fett. I didn't hear home runs coming out of Ahsoka. So it does seem to me like Star Trek is more than holding its own. It just doesn't have the visibility. It was interesting. Okay, you know, slight tangent uh, with regards to Ahsoka. I, like, I was watching it, like, week to week. I think the problem is was kind of the timing. Like, you were in Europe while yeah. Ahsoka was doing most of its run. And so, I like, we, we didn't have the opportunity to do kind of, like, um, weekly updates on it. 
It was like coming off of Andor, which to me, I think it's my favorite Star Wars property, period. Like, I'm including the original trilogy, which I hold in such high regard, but I was just kind of blown away by kind of the storytelling and kind of the world building that they would capitalize on in Andor. And you jump to Ahsoka, and for me, I was just so confused by what was going on. But I talked to my brothers. Uh, both of them grew up, like, watching the cartoons, and they absolutely loved Ahsoka, you know? So I can be, yeah. like, like empathetic to that fan. Like, if they gave me, like, a, like a, a live-action, de-aged Andrew Robinson Garrick spinoff, in which, <laughs> you know, they're just like, he's out there spying, you know, post-Dominion War, Cardassia. Like I, like, I would love every moment of it, and I wouldn't care that just average casual fans had no idea what was going on. So, I, like, I, I, I get it, but, like, I remember the quote that I got from my middle brother, Travis. He's like, you know what? Ahsoka just proves to me that, you know, kind of like uh, swords and wizardry like Star Wars works so much better. Yeah. And I was just, I, I felt the exact opposite though. Right. It's interesting to note also, I'm just looking at the artwork for the uh, What to Expect in 2023 podcast episode. And uh, we have dis very prominent Discovery art here. I guess we thought Discovery season five was going to wrap up this year, right? Well, that's just it. It it was supposed to premiere in 2023. And then we did get word, you know, early in 2023 that, uh, yeah, uh, the show has been canceled, and we will not see it again until 2024, and season five is going to be the last, which, uh, Cam, mm -hmm. earlier today, in preparation for this episode, I did listen to another episode that we did last year, or I should say um, in early 2023, about like what to expect from 2023, and, I, you know, I, it, it's not as if I'm some sort of like... Um, uh, I don't know, soothsayer or anything like that. But uh, like, I, and I've been saying it for a while. I, I, I just, I could not make the economic case for Star Trek Discovery going beyond season five. And um, when I had suggested that very diplomatically on, on some of those Facebook groups, um, I, I was ripped to pieces. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and they're they're telling me I'm a hater. And I'm like, I didn't say anything hateful. I just said like, I, I don't think it makes economic sense for it to go on. And you know. Uh, you know me, Cam. Uh, would you say I like it when I'm proven correct? Is it is that one of my uh, quintessential traits? Oh, not at all. Not at not all. At no, all. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, I'm very humble. Um, so yeah, but but I I just like like for the life of me, I could never figure out why it would make financial sense for them to continue to invest in a show that is not going to be driving subscribers moving forward. It, like the show has no buzz anymore. You know, those first two seasons, um, that, like people were talking about it. Like I, I'd be at work and people were talking about it. Um, I don't know what happened, but as soon as that season three premiere hit, yeah, it just, it just seemed as if the show faded into the background. I also, was there not like an extended like gap between seasons two and three? Like, I think it had been postponed a little bit as well. Was I, I think it was also a little pandemic related too. Yeah, that's right. It was because they couldn't like get the orchestra together together to do the score. I think that's what it was. So it delayed the show. I think they should have just used what was it called uh, back in the day, like uh, MIDI or MyDie, 
the uh oh sure yeah yeah or, or just like old canned piano music <laughs> that you'd use in generic like silent films yeah <laughs> yeah like uh uh buster keaton stuff that we know the discovery crew is uh exactly <laughs> so fond of so i i just think that that big gap really kind of sucked the life out of any sort of buzz that discovery was going to get but at the same time you know, Picard was premiering, um, Lord Dex was premiering, uh, Strange New Worlds would premiere um, a little bit later on, and it just really kind of sapped any sort of energy that was there for Star Trek Discovery. And I just, I can't imagine going into, you know, the, the final season of Discovery that there's going to be some sort of resurgence for this franchise. No, it might get just a minor bump because of the fact it's the final season. Yeah. So yeah. people will be interested to see, like, how do they wrap this up? What does it all mean at the end of the day? How are they going to kind of look at, you know, this cast and leave them in a place where it feels like they become kind of the fabric of the legacy of Star Trek? That sort of thing kind of interests me. But in terms of, like, the week-to-week journey, I- I'm just praying I'm not sitting there impatiently kind of waiting through episode seven, for example. Well... I mean, it'll be 10 episodes versus, like, the usual, like, wasn't there one season? It had at least 14, but maybe, like, even 15 episodes, you know? Yeah. Was that maybe season two? Season one, I think, might have been 15, and season two, I think, was 14. Okay, yeah. So, um, but here's the other thing. It's like, it didn't feel as if, you know, going back to season one, that they were trying to stretch out, like, you know, like a four-episode arc over the course of like 15 episodes, which Mm. that's totally what it felt like when I was watching season four of Discovery, you know? And so I'm hopeful that they have a 10 episode arc that, you know, will fill out 10 episodes versus like maybe only like three episodes worth of story. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for as well. Like, you know what? I don't expect the stars from Discovery, but like, just give me kind of a fast-paced, entertaining send-off to this show. I I just don't want the kind of trudge through uh, the, the season that like season four was. That's all I'm praying for. That's, just give me that, please. Even the fact that like it kicked off with like a really interesting character like Tarka, and they made mm-hmm. Tarka super boring and cliched by the end of it. I was just like, really? You know, like it. it that's just what was disappointing there. Yeah, and can you imagine if they'd aired Discovery Season 5 in close proximity to Picard Season 3? Like, just the difference in Mm. buzz, and then, like, it would have been just absolutely deafening for Picard, and had they aired Discovery first, people would just be like, yeah, 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 we don't care, we want to watch Picard Season (laughs) 3. I I like how... (laughs) Discovery did not air a single episode in 2023, but you and I can't help but dump all over it. Like, that is our typical, you know, subspace 2023 mantra, right? That is quite true, yes, yes. Okay, so Karen, um, we do get the premiere of uh, Picard uh, Season 3 here. Uh, We kick it off with uh, The Next Generation. That was the name of the premiere episode. Um, You know, like, going into this, it it was, like, I knew it was going to be fun to see so many of the, you know, kind of like familiar phases. Like the thing I had going on is like, can they stick the landing? Can they do something better than what we got with Nemesis? Overall, I was like, yeah, you know, is is better than what we got with Nemesis. You know, there are a lot of character moments, you know, you could like hang with the characters a lot more. I think we got like so lucky with Ed Spilier's cast as Jack Crusher 
that is something that could have gotten like uh, just like a bad actor that just didn't quite get it and I, I think he hit it out of the ballpark you know um I don't think you and I were nearly as enamored by the third season of Picard as maybe the the, the hardcore fans were I, I I don't know what's your broad takeaway yeah it's I remember being quite guarded about the show for the first couple episodes. Like, I thought, you know, when they were just like, people, you're going to see Beverly kick ass. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God. Like, we had a whole... I didn't pull this clip for this episode, but we had a whole bit just, like, going on about that sequence. And, like, really? Like, this is what you're hyping your show with? It's like Beverly running around, like, locking and loading, like, a phaser rifle over and over again. Like, okay. And then it really was, like, the 17 seconds episode, which is episode three of that season. I was like, oh, oh, this, like, kind of Riker-Picard story about this moment where, you know, Riker had to take this turbo lift trip that took 17 seconds. And, like, the weight of that and the fear for his, like, child. I thought, like, that was really quite interesting and then it was actually the next episode i think no win scenario where it was like okay i'm on board for season three and that was i think my favorite episode of the season and then it just kind of it fizzled like did don't you feel as if it kind of fizzled after episode four it did it's like the building up and sort of the reintroductions of the characters were pretty seamless i could have done with a little less of the you know rafi and wharf underworld shenanigans stuff like that was whatever but in terms of the us the rest of the characters the way they were kind of brought in and reunited with picard i thought that stuff worked really well organically it's just that when you get to the back half of the season that's when all the plot threads begin to be connected and we have to follow more of well what is this season even about what is this villain vatic up to and ultimately i just was very disappointed with the whole borg queen reveal and i still don't think it works very well in the finale in the or in the last couple episodes but I can walk away from the show going, like, I didn't hate Picard Season 3 at all. I really enjoyed the cast. It had some new characters that actually were interesting to watch, which is actually kind of a tough ask when you're reintroducing, or I should say reassembling, the original next-gen cast. Because in a lot of cases, you'd have that cast together and you don't care at all about any of the new characters around them. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned Ed Spilliers, and I think he did a very good job standing opposite Patrick Stewart and being commanding in a scene. So, like, I don't know if Star Trek Legacy is a thing that will ever exist, but I think at least in terms of some of the new actors they cast on the show, there's enough there where I go, this isn't an embarrassing idea. Yeah. Um, the thing that... It, it's still sticking in my head, though. The, okay, so... Th- the show felt remarkably small in scale in a way in that, like, the back half of the season, it all seemed as if they were kind of bottle episodes, like, in the same, you know, like, corridor yeah. set of, like, the USS Titan. And, and there's a difference between being small in scale versus telling, like, an intimate story. And you go to an episode, like, No Win Scenario, episode four. Which it felt like a very intimate story. It was people dealing with what they thought was going to be their ultimate demise. And even though we went back to that same 10 forward set for about the 14th time, (laughs) um, it felt intimate in which, you know, Picard and Jack were talking to each other about their expectations about life and what they were seeking and and what they ultimately wanted. But the rest of the season just... It just felt small in scale. And like, oh, this is the big story that we're telling here. Um, It just, like, and 
it didn't seem like a particularly engaging story. And I, I don't know, it just kind of felt, felt flat to me. I'm like, ooh, you mentioned the word changeling. Oh, you mentioned the word Dominion War. Oh, yet another callback to the Borg. Uh, you know, that, that's three seasons in a row in which the Borg play a part in Star Trek Picard. I'm just like, I don't know. It, it, to me, it just like it, it felt like I, I know there's going to be big fans of Picard season three that, that are going to hate me for saying this, but it just felt a little uninspiring um, from a story level. It's mostly the character stuff, you know, like I, my dig, my, 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 <laughs> my biggest disappointment was them not giving Worf really much to work with. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know how he's like a fundamentally different person than he was before. Like he's, I guess a little bit more chill. Doesn't that happen to everybody when they get older, you know? So <laughs> like that didn't surprise me. Um, but then you have like amazing stuff going on with like, Jordy LaForge and his growth as a character, as a father, um, being like very willing to put his duty and balance it out with his family. And that's not a position that we've seen Jordy have to deal with before. Um, the Brent Spiner character, which was kind of this new iteration of data, I thought was interesting, you know, and, and him. Mm -hmm having those internal battles, you know, data versus lore. I was like, okay, you're doing interesting things with the characters, but camp the story did nothing for me at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. Like I, 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 I'm annoyed at this show for the fact, you know, you say there's Borg stories, you know, three seasons in a row, but none of these Borg stories over the three seasons connect. Like, they are not related to one another. Yeah. It's not like they had an evolving Borg story over three seasons. They just had three Borg seasons because they were like, <laughs> well, we're rebooting the show every season. Uh, and people who watch Star Trek The Next Generation like the Borg. So we need to make that some sort of presence. And I found that incredibly frustrating, especially by the time I get to season three. And I'm just watching, like, Jack Crusher have hallucinations about doors opening. <laughs> It's like, okay, like this isn't working for me. That's why I like, I find it frustrating where it's like a lot of the character stuff worked for me. And I thought, you know, Shaw was like a really interesting yes. character and fun yes. to see on here. He was great. And we had a photo op done with him in Vegas. It was wonderful. But, you know, I can even overlook the bottle um, episode kind of feel of the show. But I have this like... I don't know, this nagging feeling that the reason they, like, did this, I, I don't know if it was pandemic-related, but, like, it might have been. But I, I also feared that the reason that so much of it was a bottle episode was because they were saving all their money for the big, like, FX action sequence in the big finale, and I found it really underwhelming, so I hope that's not what they were using their money for instead. I Cam, I, I think it is. Like, I, I think that's what the answer is, though. And I agree. Like, I felt that the fx extravaganza this is not like mandalorian and or sort of vfx team working on this stuff and you know um i just like to me it, it didn't quite reach the heights that i think the creators were aiming for in in terms of blowing us away with what was going on here um I don't know. It, it, it It's just like, like overall, I'm happy that they 
<laughs> after after the second season of Picard, you come back and you you can kind of rehabilitate the character. Or you know what? I I I'm not gonna say that. You can re rehabilitate kind of the um the feelings about TNG a little bit. Cam, what? How do we walk away with the character Jean Luc Picard after three seasons of this? I mean. It, to me, it's just a fundamentally broken character at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to make of the Picard I watched over those three seasons of television. So, like, here's the thing. Like, I, I really have questions going forward into the future because Star Trek merchandising is going to still be very much a thing. How often do you think we see, like, Picard-era Picard merchandise and like magnets and things like that going forward i just still think people are going to hold on to the tng stuff because that's the great picard and i think this picard people will acknowledge it for say enjoying what season three picard brought them but other than that i think it's mostly just kind of ignored it's going to be uh figurines of picard curled up in the fetal position <laughs> I, I don't what know what do you think sells better in the future uh nemesis picard merch or um picard season two merch <laughs> uh hmm i'd still say nemesis despite the novelty factor of you know picard getting slapped in the face by a q i just like it th here's the problem and this is what makes me angry is you know people might complain about the picard character and then other folks will say that's called character growth and i'm like no this like this character that we've witnessed over three seasons has bears like no resemblance to the character that we met throughout TNG. It just like they're both played by Patrick Stewart, but these are entirely different characters. And I just don't know why he was so compelled to play such a feckless character over three seasons. You know, I just like it, to me that was like. If I was an actor, I'd, I'd kind of be bored by that over the course of, like, 30 hours. I I have to wonder if he was, like, excited about what he got to do on this show. I have no, no way of ever really knowing. But it just seemed like a very weird journey for this character, given the hoopla announcing his return. And I have to imagine... When Patrick Stewart signed on for Picard season one, there was probably in the back of his head an expectation that there would be much more of like a celebration at the end of season one. Like, oh my God, boy, was Picard back. And Picard was pretty quiet until season three when they suddenly got a ton yeah. of buzz because of the TNG cast. I think just too many people were disappointed that uh, Narek didn't get it a proper send off. That is true. That is true. I mean, I still am holding out for Star Trek Narc, that TV show. I mean, I'd love it. <laughs> well, you know what? Michelle Yeoh is finally getting that Section 31 movie. Uh, production is going to get going. Um, remember Cam was supposed to be like a spinoff TV series? Yep. Got reduced down to like a uh, two-hour one-off sort of film? Yep. Um, <laughs> Again, I, ha haven't we been saying this for like five years now? Like, we're, we're not like section 31 the tv show is just not going to be a thing that was ever going to happen and we called that very very early on yeah the question mark now is the uh, starfleet academy i guess that one is going to happen uh well i guess wh why don't we put a pin on that for now save that yeah yeah and talk about that for the 2024 episode because cam the um <laughs> politics uh and finances of hollywood right now yeah 
I think that calls any sort of Academy series into question at the moment, but um, that's just mm-hmm. me. That's just me. Yeah. Um, okay, so, okay. Season three wraps up uh, by the time we get into, like, the spring of uh, 2023. And I don't know, like, Cam, we're, we're doing stuff like, uh, we actually did the current state of Star Trek a little bit early this year. We did it in May. Uh, most years, uh, we do it in June. Last year, there was so much Star Trek content going on. Mm-hmm. We could not tackle the current state of Star Trek until July of 2022. So this year, we actually did it in, uh, you know, uh, 2021. And I think we had uh, a lot to talk about. Um, it's always, like, one of my favorite episodes to do, like, every single year um, for us there. Um, another fun episode that we did, though, was uh, re-exploring Strange New Worlds in 4k um witnessing star trek in 4k i mean i know that i did it when we watched the motion picture cam um <laughs> what what happened with you though remind me again when we were doing the uh the motion picture in 4k uh episode review in 2022 one of us was struggling to cast something from his cell phone onto the tv and um may have watched it in a compromised state <laughs> <laughs> yes one of us one of us one of us yeah one of us one um of us. <laughs> here's my uh kind of this is what disappoints me okay we get star trek strange new worlds in 4k but it's like what why didn't they not release it for picard season three like i would have bought the uh the physical media for picard season three but they're only offering it in like blu-ray and i was just like was that a sign that maybe it didn't sell that with like 4k did not sell that well for strange new worlds or like i don't know like i I, like i still haven't purchased the blu-ray for picard season three because i wanted in 4k and they did put out a 4k of um strange new worlds season two so i i I thought that was very strange and i kind of expected yeah i kind of expected (laughs) that okay fine they didn't announce picard season three up front kind of weird but sure I expected that there would be like a season three Picard 4K announcement. You know, hey, it's coming out two months later. But no, it has been radio silence since. The fact that they didn't get it out for Christmas is actually pretty damning. They really should have tried to do that. There there must be like some sort of financial stuff going on that we don't quite get. But um, the world's going 4K, people. Like, get on board. Uh, Although I say that and we still don't have Deep Space Nine in hd and cam whenever we go and like uh do like our deep space nine like episode reviews and i'm rewatching the series and i'm i'm looking at on looking at it on my dvds i'm like oh this show just so desperately like i i remember watching it live back in the day and i remember it i think it looked better back then because you're watching it um a on like kind of like those kind of tube televisions mm-hmm. and you're watching it kind of like uh through like broadcast cable versus watching it on like kind of like this kind of um atomized rendered sort of physical disc on like your 65 inch like widescreen television it just it looks like garbage now like deep space nine does and i'm just like it, it breaks my heart that we don't have like a high def rendition of it at this point one of the biggest bummers for me is when I'm doing artwork for this podcast and I have to get screen grabs from either Voyager or DS9. And it's just like, none of these look good. Like they all look kind of fuzzy. I usually have to go and try to retouch them in some way. Yeah. Whereas the other shows look beautiful. Like, you know, last week we did our TOS episode for Tholian Web, which I mentioned earlier. 
there's so many beautiful screenshots for the original series. It's so easy. But boy, Voyager and DS9 just test me over and over again. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is because I don't think it's economically feasible for them to go back and, and do a proper HD transfer of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. But the problem is that means that there's only two shows in the entire franchise that aren't in high def. And it just kind of, it, it feels like this kind of um, hole that mm -hmm. the, sh the, the, the franchise has right now. I, I mean, I floated it before. It's not my ideal, like, wish. But, like, there, there is, like, kind of AI, like, kind of fake HD rendering that you can do um, that might just be the best choice at this point. I don't know. Well, and it's also, not only is it the only two shows that aren't, you know, in HD, it's, like, two of the most popular shows. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also a problem. If this was, like, very short treks, <laughs> I'd be like, eh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do we care that much? Yeah. Like, whatever, let it go. Even if it was, like, the original animated series, we'd be like, I guess that one's not in 4K. It's in, Maybe it is in 4K now. I can't remember. But, uh, no, I think it's just in Blu-ray. But, like... You'd be like, well, it will live. It's not like the animation is so great on that show. Like, it's fine. Uh, versus like Voyager and DS9, which are two beloved fan favorites that have so much support. And I think it would be, I know it's really expensive for them to remaster these, these episodes, but I also think it would benefit them long term because these shows do have a passionate fan base and probably more potential for earning in the future than like picard season two the problem is, is like there is no certainty in hollywood right now nope because we are in a mode in which all of these studios are looking to kind of combine very much the same way that disney acquired fox a couple years ago yeah and for you know paramount to say by the way we're going to invest, you know, a solid $30 million into HD renderings of 300 plus episodes of Star Trek. Hmm. Um, it, it, you know, the, the uh, equity firms, uh, the uh, investors, they're, they're not really going to be all into buying into this plan necessarily. No, no. So... Uh, maybe one day it'll be so cheap we can just basically snap our fingers and turn it into uh, HD. But I don't think when we get to next year's best worst of 2024 that we'll be talking about the exciting announcement of um, HD uh, DS9 or Voyager. No. Um, okay, Kim, I, 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 I want to give a shout out to uh one other episode, though, that we did uh, right before we got into the Strange New Worlds premiere, which is in June of uh this past year but uh i i thought it was great that uh do you remember doing uh our rankings of the chief engineers like that turned out to be like yeah a, a particularly fun episode uh going in i i, I wasn't like i don't know going in I, I like i might have some expectations about how fun something might be um the engineers like that just offered so much like fun discussion that we could have over so many of these iconic characters especially you know one pelia who i guess we would not actually meet for another couple months but whatever yeah, and actually, we did a couple of those episodes earlier on in the show's run, like um, First Officers and Captains, 
And I believe what happened was we recorded a doctor's one in Vegas and the audio file just did not turn out at all. So we just kind of like gave up with that trend of doing those episodes for yeah. like several years yeah. and then finally circled around. But by the time we did circle back around to do engineers, we suddenly had way more engineers to include, like Jen Pog, for example. So that was actually really fun. Yeah. Okay, Cam, Strange New Worlds, June premiere. Uh, we kick things off, you know, Spock's in command, uh, you know, obviously Pike is trying to help out number one because she's in prison. Uh, we've got kind of this uh, Klingon-centric episode to kick things off. Um, we see, uh, I, I guess, Mabenga take, um, you know, a Red Bull, and he turns into Ninja Doctor, kind of a la, you know, Commando Crusher. <laughs> um, to me, it, like, it wasn't, like, the best premiere we could have gotten, you know? But I, I, it made me feel like, okay, you know what? Strange New Worlds, it's back again. Yeah, this was a fun premiere. And I was on board because the character dynamics were so entertaining and fun to be reunited with. Uh, I didn't realize though, that like the Mabenga <laughs> Jason Bourne serum was going to play such a prominent role in yeah. the character's journey over the season. What a bizarre setup that I really didn't realize would be so impactful, you know, as we got towards the back half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the fan favorites was uh, episode two Mm -hmm. A typical kind of uh, Star Trek sort of courtroom drama here uh, at Astra per Aspera. Um, I think this one worked better for other fans than it did for me because I think my ongoing complaint was that they get number one off, <laughs> but through a loophole, not by addressing the actual principle that was going on here. And what you find with other Star Trek courtroom episodes it's like they vindicate somebody based on you know kind of uh principles not based on loopholes and so that's why i i still can't quite like be all aboard other than the fact that the uh the costuming in this one was some of the best uh the uh the dress uniforms that they had everybody wearing was oh, yeah. just absolutely exquisite this is one i'm looking forward to revisiting because i did very much enjoy it the first time through but i'm curious Kind of at the time, we're watching it, recording the episode, but since then there's been so much more fanfare and noise around this one that I'm curious to see if it rises or falls a little bit in my estimation on the revisit. Because it, you know, the first time through, I didn't have any sort of like uh, voices in my ear telling me this is one of the best episodes of the season. Uh, no, for you is uh, tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, which, you know what, an episode that didn't necessarily grab me that much, but it was kind of a weird episode. Like, Strange New Worlds did not play it safe that week. Uh, they made a weird episode that had some elements I liked and some episodes that I just was scratching my head about. Um, Are you as dumb as me? Like, okay, we're, we're Canadian. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that there's such a big bridge in Toronto. <laughs> like, I was just like, <laughs> uh, for a split second, I thought it was like a real bridge that uh, played such a, a, a key role in the plot. But of course, it would, that, that bridge does not exist, people. I've never been to Toronto, so uh, you could have told me that was a real bridge and I would have gone with you, just like the Millennium Gate. I, I used to live in Toronto, but uh, not since I was like a toddler. So Okay, fair enough. And your memory at that age is very good. I can tell that you've never been to Toronto because you don't know how to pronounce Toronto. <laughs> Explain to me the, um, what was the, uh, you and a uh, friend of the show, Scott Hardy, had questions for me after watching the uh, Ben Affleck directed movie Argo about the pronunciation of Toronto. Oh, yeah, that uh, Canadians 
don't say the second T. Uh, I don't know. I always have. Yeah. I don't know. But you've never been there. Anyway. That's true. That's true. Maybe that would change the second I stepped off a plane there. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, yo, I'm in uh, the big smoke, Toronto, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm hey, Cam, buddy. <laughs> Cam Smith. Uh, oh, you want to get a double-double, you goofball? Huh? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, here in Toronto. Uh, hey, guess what? If uh, <laughs> For any Canadian listeners out there, Leafs suck. Just saying that. Um... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, and I can say that because uh, the Vancouver Canucks are doing exceptionally well. Um, see, I'm holding on to my uh, Canadian cred by talking about NHL. I don't know how many Star Trek podcasts can get as much NHL action going on as this one, Cameron. I feel like there's not a lot of competition, and it's very, very one-sided in this conversation. <laughs> and in all fairness, that's absolutely true, which is why we need to bring back uh, fallen co-host Benjamin Young, who... Uh, uh, he and I, we went to uh, uh, the Canucks versus Anaheim Ducks game, uh, I don't know, maybe like three, four weeks ago. So um, we need more Canadian content here. Uh, and uh, not Canadian content, as yeah. we saw with uh, you know, one Con Nudian Singh's origin story, in which he apparently is born in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, here you go. Uh, Benjamin Yong and I, we are keeping the uh, the NHL tradition alive for Canadian like podcasters cam is sleeping right now i can see him on zoom he's got drool coming not out of his mouth but out of his nose and eyeball right now as i talk hockey (laughs) so you know like strange new worlds though like i I look at this list of episodes and there was some ups and downs but like their ups were pretty incredible whether it's you know those old scientists or subspace rhapsody I even really enjoyed the finale. Not as much as those two, but like this show, when it clicks, it's pretty darn fantastic. I do wish to point out, do you remember um, Vegas 2022? We uh, got to hang out in a hotel room and watch the season three premiere of Lower Decks in like a what a group of like 10 of us. We're all laughing our asses off. It was just a very communal experience. Cam, how was my experience in Vegas watching um, Subspace Rhapsody, the Strange New Worlds episode, in a hotel room with a group of like 10 people? I think there was drool coming out of your nose and eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It it, to me is... um... All I s- I'll say is I was in Vegas. Uh, maybe I had uh, a few too many drinks. And, um, uh, I, I I really I, I made it through the entire screening, but I, my my memories uh, I like when I got back home to Vancouver and I rewatched that episode. I was like, I don't remember any of this. It was just like <laughs> it, was, it was like what? oh, it's a musical. I had no idea. That, that cut. I thought it was a sobering character drama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, one very pertinent word that you use there. So, mm, um, mm. no, but also an episode like Shreds, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. It seems so easy. It seems so obvious. What if Spock turned fully human? You know, like, uh, like just that was such an amazing episode. Ethan Peck is a gift, you know, uh, uh, the uh, actress who plays Tapring, I'm always blanking on her name. It's Gina, um, something. I think it's Gia. Gia. I think it's just Gia something. Okay. Yeah. Um, Gia something. You. Um. But like, <laughs> no. I, I just like. I, I wish somehow that we could like, 
incorporate like to bring in to the main cast you know but maybe it's just better that we only get her like maybe three or four times a year you know maybe too much of a good thing would not be such an amazing thing i don't know but like um she's great on the series there's gonna come a point though in which we know like hopefully this show goes on for five seasons plus but like <laughs> there's gonna come a point where she literally wants spock dead like yeah not in a figurative sense but in a literal sense and we're gonna be building to that point i think they've been doing it um interestingly like over the last two seasons but um i don't know like she rocks as a character and i think charades for me my my top two episodes of this past season were charades and um uh these old scientists and then maybe right below it would be subspace rhapsody which i think was a very polarizing episode um, I was all into the Klingon K-pop. I'm not, I, I don't think you were, Cam, but um, after I sobered up and and <laughs> watched that episode at home, I, I, I just absolutely delighted um, in all of the musical stuff going on, despite the fact, like, I'm not really a musical person, but um, I, I don't know. To me, like, three really, really solid episodes from the second season. Yeah, and I think charades might have a little bit of a noisier reputation were it not for those old scientists and Subspace Rhapsody. Because it's like they're all kind of the lighter, more comedic episodes. And I just think those other two are so much noisier. One being like the big musical and one being the crossover with Lower Decks. Yeah. So, Kim, uh, as I alluded to, uh, we were in Vegas while Subspace Rhapsody was airing. And uh, we're there for the big Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said, nope, we don't mention that. It was the um, <laughs> it was the convention about a television property. Thank you. Cam, um, I love going to Vegas, uh, seeing all our friends every year, um, just that communal atmosphere. Um, I, 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 I had a good time. It was a weird year, but this is far and away the worst, like, star trek convention uh in vegas that i've gone to and, and you know we're talking about like like scales that that aren't it, it wasn't a zero it was just like the stupidest stuff going on in which we had about one third of the actors they're on strike at this point um saying i will not acknowledge anything related to star trek yeah we had one third of the actors saying like, well, you know, I was on this sci-fi franchise in which I played a character that maybe his name was kind of like Tim Raris. <laughs> and then I flew the Smelta Liar through the Melta Quadrant. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like people like this is so stupid. And then we had one third of the actors who just did not give enough. And they're like, yeah, you know, that episode where I played, uh, you know, Chakotay and uh, I was hooking up with like uh, Captain Jane. And it was just kind of like, it's just like this weird, weird dichotomy of how nobody seemed to a either know what the rules were during this strike about how you could talk during conventions uh, or, or, or be like some people just like, like caring way too much. Like one <clears throat> Chase Masterson, yeah, and then other people just not giving one flying f whatsoever. It was it was such a weird convention, and this is I, I don't blame I, I don't put the blame on the actors, Cam. Nope, I put the blame on the organizers here. In which I think you and I 
were going into this thinking like, oh, maybe they'll figure out like fun things to do. Maybe the moderators will come prepared with maybe like games or something. Uh, there was one moderator, uh, Ian Spelling. It was very clear that uh, he came and he had asked people, hey, maybe could you send me some photos in advance? Maybe there's some stories from your past that related to these photos. We can talk about this. Other than Ian Spelling, one moderator, nobody came prepared. We had Mary Chifo moderating a panel in which she asked everybody, it was what, like eight people in this panel camp? Mm -hmm. um, Tell me your pronouns and your favorite color. And we had to go one by one, and everybody had to tell us what their favorite color was. And I'm just like, this is how you're kicking off a panel with eight people. Cam, this was just like, like I, I, I was just incredibly disappointed with the organizers uh, this past year. Despite having, like, it, it, it's a joyful community. I had fun seeing everybody. Um, there's, like, we got to watch Galaxy Quest in a big auditorium um there's a lot of loud people and you and i we are not talkers during movies just saying that but what what, what was your yeah big takeaway from stlv uh, uh i'm sorry uh, cam sci-fi franchise lv <laughs> yeah uh i think for us it's different because yes this was the weakest or worst whatever word you want to use star trek convention i've been to in las vegas due to the circumstances with the actor's strike um, but for us, it stands out as like a kind of a novelty year where we go, well, this was what a weird year. Let's laugh about the bizarre things that happened. But for like people who saved up and bought tickets <laughs> to this convention, who'd never been before yeah. and may not be able to afford to go, you know, this year or next year, like maybe this was like a one-time deal for them. I feel terrible for those ticket buyers because boy, did they get a very weak substitute for what a star trek convention should be and usually is and and it wasn't like they bought tickets a week before the convention you know because the actor strike started like what was it like uh one or two weeks before the convention yeah you know, something like that yeah. and so it's people that maybe had made these purchases like months earlier they booked their hotels and their flights and their they bought their tickets and their photo ops all in advance and then all of a sudden Maybe these folks arrived for their very first Star Trek convention and like they're being told like you can't say the word Star Trek. I was like, uh wow, okay. Um I just remember the Greg Grunberg. I don't think you're there for the Greg Grunberg panel, were you? No. Um he was freely talking about his time in Star Trek Beyond, but he kept saying, like, I don't know, like uh, more than once, like, I am not promoting. I'm not promoting. I'm just talking. And like Okay, I can kind of get what he's saying. It's like, is he actually promoting like a movie that came out like seven years ago? Like, no, he's not. Like, mm -hmm. like what? <laughs> What's gonna happen? Is the strike gonna break because like all these people hear him talk about Star Trek like Beyond and start running to the streaming services and make so many downloads that like the actors have no <laughs> leverage whatsoever? It was so stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank God it's over now and. It'll be great getting back to normalcy at the convention this year. But what a weird, weird convention. Incredibly strange. The, 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 the weirdest we've ever gone to. And this is a show that talks about the weirdest, wackiest, wildest, and everything in between. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
right, Cam, <laughs> let's go forward. One week later, you're like, I'm going to Europe, right? And then, um, yep. so we uh, put the show a, a little bit like we had some stuff uh, kind of banked. We also went through our archives and realized that there's stuff like not actually released, like content that we did that was not released onto the podcast feed, you know, some like maybe like YouTube exclusives, you know, commentaries. Um, I don't think September was such a bad, you know, kind of month for our listeners, you know. Um, overall, uh, how was your uh, your trip to Europe, sir? It was wonderful, and uh, it was wonderful also having all those episodes just done that I could just set them <laughs> up to drop versus like having to pre-record multiple multiple episodes. Although we did pre-record the DS9 Sound of Her Voice episode, uh, that was a a new one. But uh, no, Europe was kind of like a bucket list trip for me to go and do you know France and kind of journey around to you know Berlin, Prague, places like that, and it really did deliver and i would happily go back tomorrow if i could uh Quite happily yeah. <laughs> um oh the other thing i forgot um you and i did not go straight home from vegas you and i uh decided to drive from vegas all the way back up uh, the west coast of the united states uh back into vancouver uh british columbia uh that was a blast what was it like four four and a half days uh we yep. stayed in uh what santa barbara the first night um was it san fran the next night i think so yeah what a drive holy shit we did that all in like one day like going up the coast and then inland and then back down the coast because we wanted to hit like kind of the pacific highway and a lot of the sites there and then we ended up in san francisco went to alcatraz which was amazing uh we go up the oregon coast anyone oh my gosh like you gotta try it out it is just breathtaking uh then we ended up in like this college town uh what was was it salem cam that we ended up in oregon that sounds right yeah, yeah. it was yeah and then we came across like this park in which like there's a giant screening of some animated film that we never heard of before but apparently it's one of the most popular films on like netflix and there were tons of families there um we land in seattle <laughs> for one of the weirdest uh public transit rides we've ever taken during the middle of like a i think of the seahawks uh no it wasn't or was it no it's the mariners i think were uh playing and so it's just packed transit and then a man followed us for what eight blocks as we were lugging our luggage towards a storage center and he kept yodeling at us yes that's correct and followed us yeah like several blocks and there was a point where I was like, this guy's going to catch up with us, and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, um, you were going to pull a Mabenga on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then later that day, <laughs> we, we uh, finally get to the border, and we explain our itinerary <laughs> to the uh, border guard. <laughs> And she just looks at us as if we're like nuts, which not too far from the truth. Yeah. Um, especially considering that meltdown that I had when we got back onto the bus and that woman took our seats. <laughs> and I, uh, Cam, I think you could tell at that point, like it had been 14 days of Tyler away from home. <laughs> and I just was, uh, I was in meltdown mode at that point. But um, I don't know. Overall, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a weird two weeks off, but uh, you and I had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, always do. And uh, 
yeah, th- it was a it was a nice way to end that convention because the convention was it was what it was. <laughs> it was and, something. Uh, yeah, yeah, and to have a few other highlights in there was nice. Cam, how come the thrill did not make a reappearance uh, this year? I wanted the conclusion of the thrill storyline. I think they promised the thrill would be back next year. Okay, and for those that don't know, um, no one knows. The, <laughs> no <laughs> Even one knows. we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, uh, listeners. Um. We think that because last year Creation, which organizes these conventions, they no longer had the license to use the word Star Trek. So they had to start promoting some like fictional alien franchise that the like co CEOs made up. Uh yeah, and it's called the Thrill and there was almost kind of a talky radio show on the last day of the 2022 convention, uh, convention, and there was no follow-up to the thrill last year, was there? Uh, no, there was not. They did not even mention it. There was no thrill artwork anywhere. There was no acknowledgement of the thrill. The thrill were taking the year off. Maybe they, uh, they were banned because of the actor's strike as well. <laughs> I'd like to think that, yeah. All right, Cam. <laughs> You're, you're, you're back from Europe. We're diving into a Lower Decks Season 4. But um, I don't know. For me, the highlight was uh, the premiere in which um, they had like this big kind of launch in which uh, in select cities across the globe, um, they were going to premiere um, Lower Decks in uh, select movie theaters. Um, there's going to be a couple episodes. I think like uh, one episode from every previous season was screened in front of audiences. I got to go. You were in Europe. I went to the theater here in Vancouver. And it was really, really cool um, because the show is animated here in Vancouver. So they're actually like... <laughs> the, the screening was filled with all of these animators that had worked on the show, which is very cool. Um, I got a whole bunch of freebies. Um, I'm such a little pig. I ate my entire jumbo size bag of m&ms uh throughout the entire evening and i have no regrets it was wonderful um and just being in that kind of communal atmosphere in which everybody's laughing all at the same time and again (laughs) that includes the first short trek very short trek i should say in which it's the one in like uh pete holmes is playing captain kirk in this situation um the short treks got a little bit more um mixed response i think following that episode but uh for me i would definitely say that that early september experience having that communal kind of experience with lower decks was was the highlight of the lower decks season for me yeah it was a weird season of lower decks where it didn't like necessarily crank out any bad episodes but it didn't really wow me a lot and I think my main memory from the season will be, I guess, maybe the way I watched the first couple episodes, which was actually at friend of the show Scott Hardy's uh, house when I was visiting London. And so I watched, I think, the first two episodes of Lower Decks, maybe three, as well as the first couple of those very short treks. So that had like a certain novelty value. But um, yeah, the season like with Lower Decks, I just found it kind of odd in that like with past seasons, there was always like a big standout episode at the very least whereas this season there really wasn't and uh the voyager one the premiere was the most fun episode but i don't know that it stands up necessarily next to some of like the bigger episodes from previous seasons yeah and look there are seasons 
in a series you might love that just don't stack up and then they have a bounce back. And it's not as if this was like some sort of like falling off a cliff sort of season. It just, it didn't feel nearly as inspired as the previous ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that when we get to um, season uh, five of Lower Decks that uh, maybe they can like just get that spark going a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, Okay. So Lower Decks wraps up and I had a, I had a fun rest of the year and like we got to do our kind of regular wacky episodes. You know, we we finally did a a second part to the biggest WTF moments. Um, Mm -hmm. We tackled an episode you know, from Voyager that I, I really wanted to talk about, which was the 37s, you know, that was really fun as well. And then, Cam, I, I, one of the biggest highlights of, you know, th- this entire year on subspace for me was, you know, the journey of Dukat. Like, one yeah. of the all-time, not just all-time villains, but one of the all-time characters of all of Star Trek. And that's just kind of tracing his journey. Um, I don't know, I, I just, like, Mark Alimo, like, he is Dukat. Like, that's how he's going to be remembered. And and there would have never been the Dukat as we know it with Mark Alimo. And that's kind of what I walked away with after um, kind of rewatching a lot of those episodes and you and I talking about it for a, a good chunk of time as well. Well, he's one of the few villains that would really support an episode like that. Like, there's other villains that have journeys, but they would not kind of be as rich as tackling the various stages of Dukat. Like... You could do a Borg Queen episode, for example, but I don't know that it would be as compelling because you have fewer instances. Um, the journey's just not quite as rich. And I don't know if there's as much evolution to the Borg Queen as an individual the way there is Ducat. Although the season two Borg Queen stuff alone would take up uh, maybe half an hour. But, uh, you know, <laughs> sure. you just don't have that as much. Like a Khan episode. Is there so much to say about Khan? No way. And so I think like, Ducat really is he he really does stand alone I think when it comes to Trek villains who hmm okay you mentioned the Khan you mentioned the Borg Queen and you mentioned those two because I think those would be kind of the uh within kind of the top three yeah but is there a villain that might lend itself to like a deeper examination do you think like me uh do you think Kai Win would kind of be the closest in terms of having kind of a uh a real arc and a journey I think Kai Wynn is definitely on the table. Had Seska been around longer, I would have said her, perhaps. I think that Kai Wynn and Seska are in two totally different ballparks. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would say so as well. I'm just trying to think of, like, outside of these DS9 villains who have seven seasons worth of story, which yeah. ones would work really well. And um, I'm just kind of... Like, there's no one really in uh, in Enterprise. The Sulaban stuff is not going to support a whole episode of the podcast. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, like, Shran was a villain. He was more kind of a uh, uh, an antagonistic, uneasy ally turned kind of ally by the end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm just like, is there anyone else on... Because Voyager, you'd say mostly the Borg Queen is the villain who probably has the maybe the most to do on that show. Um, yeah, I think DS9 just really knew how to use villains very well. Yeah. Um, much better than Species 10C. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was unfortunate. Well, uh, we rounded out the year, Cameron. Um, I think we had a lot of fun throughout the year. Do we want to kind of share some of our top moments? And mostly by that, I mean us goofing off. 
Yeah, I think that's always a treat because uh, we like to go through the archives and find the best moments of the year. Well, why don't we start, you know, we talked a lot about Picard Season 3 with a series of clips that all kind of like came out of our coverage of Picard Season 3. There's some crazy stuff about, you know, Picard's son and Seven and a whole bunch more. I think these are going to be really fun for you guys to listen to. My greatest fear was in the first episode, Stargazer, um, Picard mournfully says he's the last Picard. And I was like, don't you dare make season three about Picard having a child. I cannot take it. <laughs> uh, bring back that guy uh, from, I don't know, like the second to last episode of TNG who uh, was rock climbing and Damon Bach was trying to convince Picard that that was his uh, natural son. I'm for that. Just do it. I mean, yeah. we've seen the ultimate fan fiction moment in that Traveler Wesley moment. So, like, anything's on the table. Just go crazy. Bring back Damon Bach. Have him resolve the entire season in a monologue. I don't care. Cam, I wish season three was centered around Damon Bach getting his last revenge. Is is Amanda Plummer playing Damon Bach? Or someone with connections to Damon Bach? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't I, Yeah. Uh, th this is what the Ferengi look like now in uh, the 25th century. When you see like what they market with like, say, Star Trek Picard season three, it's a lot of shots of characters like wielding weapons and stuff like that. And yeah. being like, not like the old days. And it's like, uh, yeah. like, that's like, it seems to me like Strange New Worlds understands what's fun about its show. Whereas like, I don't think Picard ever really knew what was fun about that show. Not that there was that much fun. Well, you know, one thing I had in my notes, I, I, I just forgot to share, but I think ultimately the, the takeaway from season three, the theme of season three is that old people still have lots to offer. Is that kind of what we're supposed to gather? Dude, there was that point at the start of the episode in the Chekhov voiceover where he's like, the young have been turned against us <laughs> that I burst out laughing. <laughs> They've got reefer madness. Hide. Get indoors. They're eating avocado toast. <laughs> <laughs> They're on their smartphones all the time. Social media. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing those ticky talk dances. <laughs> What's an influencer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But who yeah. had like kind of the biggest arc? Um. Do you think okay. it's seven? Sevens is like probably the most satisfying, and I hesitate to say grounded, but the one that feels like I don't have to like do like logical backflips to try to make sense of. Like I go, okay, there's some behavior in there where she's like a mass murderer, where I kind of like roll my eyes. But in terms of like tracking her from kind of um, you know, this uh... Cam rolls his eyes at mass murder. <laughs> Cam sees mass murder. He just rolls his eyes. Oh, mass murder, you. I mean the creative decision to do that. <laughs> but watching her go from like Fenris Ranger to, you know, being in kind of a... Captain uh... of the Enterprise in two years. <laughs> <laughs> Serial oh. killing Fenris Ranger to Captain of the Enterprise in two years, folks. Okay. You know. And, and yet, why does that feel like the most believable arc for a character on Picard? <laughs> I don't know, but it does. But it does. <laughs> like... Well, Cam, I, I didn't know that that's how you felt about mass murder. But uh, there you go. Live and learn, right? Cam, Live and learn. Yeah. 
Um, why don't we jump into Strange New Worlds? Had a lot to say about that, especially as uh, we kind of alluded <laughs> to it earlier with uh, Strange New Worlds filmed in Canada and um, apparently takes place in Canada too. <laughs> I also like how the idea the Romulans had wipe out Toronto. <laughs> that will prevent you know our greatest enemy from rising and it was like you know like i i like like nobody outside of toronto likes toronto like we're, we're saying this as fellow canadians um the maple leaf suck um every every torontonian thinks it's the center of the universe um you know whatever whatever so it, maybe that's funny but like i i don't know it, it's just kind of like what i go back to is an episode like um uh past tense parts one and two with the bell riots i remember when they established like um if the bell riots had never occurred the federation would never have been like established and there was a reference to like this like one romulan probe like sending signals out and that's what the defiant in present day in this altered timeline could pick up on so i don't mm -hmm. know if it's the bell riots that <laughs> could have like like this is what this is why like the star trek time travel stuff gets just so convoluted because the romulans had done all these simulations about like how if they killed khan in toronto i again i never knew that khan was raised in toronto <laughs> is he canadian <laughs> no he's canadian <laughs> I had never thought about that. You know, I didn't even think about that when the episode had ended that Khan was Canadian. But now I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it's a very multicultural uh, country. So, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Is this the most power given to Canada in any American franchise in film <laughs> or TV history? Uh, no, uh, Cam. Uh, have you ever seen Ballist uh, Ballistic X versus Sever? Uh, that's an excellent point. You're right. You're right. You know, um, Antonio Banderas versus uh, Lucy Liu. Uh, the entire film took place in uh, Vancouver, you know, uh, back, what yeah. was this, like 2002, 2003? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Ray Park uh, was the villain in that movie from uh, Phantom Menace. I was very excited at the time <laughs> that I saw the movie. I'm bummed out and I just don't, <laughs> Cam, when is the moment that Spock turns to Paul Wesley and says, my sister, Michael Burnham, who I'm never allowed to talk about again, she told me to find my guiding light and you are him. Like, I, that's the scene that I'm waiting for. <laughs> well, she did say, find someone who is the exact opposite of you. And Ethan Peck has a ton of charisma. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe okay. there's something to that. The exact opposite, perhaps. I don't know. Like, I guess this episode persuaded me a little more that while I, <laughs> I can tell I'm going to have nothing but problems aligning the Shatner version of Kirk with the Paul Wesley version of Kirk. The actor, in terms of like communicating like the emotional connections with the other characters, that came across for me. So I may just have to like turn off that comparison and just like stop driving myself mad and just focus more on the organic interactions with his co-stars. I just need to you know, I I've heard other people say this, but I, I just I think if this guy's name was not Kirk, mm. we would have such a better time just sitting back and enjoying the character and the character's performance. If he, if he was Lieutenant Smith, who's just been promoted to uh, the youngest first officer and, and Starfleet, and we've seen like alternate versions of him, I think maybe we'd, uh, I think we'd be enjoying Lieutenant Smith a lot more. 
I agree. As Lieutenant Smith myself, I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, I, I will always champion <laughs> Lieutenant Smith. <laughs> but no, I'm just thinking uh, of like super generic <laughs> names, and of course, I thought of you subconsciously. Of course, of course. Um, so I have to say, Captain Kirk seems like he must have been like a real wet blanket if, you know, when he comes and he takes command of the Starship Enterprise and he does some renovations and they get rid of that massive upscale bar and lounge in which like mm. jazz musicians are playing in the evenings. And he's just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> too distracting for, for the crew. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Uh, and these quarters, these massive, massive quarters that the captain gets to enjoy. <laughs> no, that's not the that's not the starship life for me. No, thank you, sir. And who needs a wonderful cooking kitchen in like in my quarters? He accuses her of becoming a sadist due to her like you know the voices in her head in this episode. But it's like I don't know. This is a captain who, when he's visiting Pike's ship, is like geeking out over the fact they have like fresh baked cookies. Yeah. <laughs> versus like the original series where he's serving them up colored cubes. <laughs> <laughs> He's cruel. <laughs> he really is. I'm sorry. Could you can you picture Shatner Kirk going? Hey, guess what? They have fresh cookies. Do you want me to go grab you one? <laughs> like, uh... Who does he say that to? Which character? Um, he would say that to uh, oh, uh, Commodore Decker, or was it Admiral Decker? Uh, no, he was uh, Captain Decker, I think, at that point. Wasn't was he? it Captain Decker? Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, he says that to Captain Decker. Cut scene. I would watch that scene. All right, Cam. So going into the last batch of clips, a uh, <laughs> bit of a potpourri of our other favorite moments. Uh, why don't we kick it off? We can't help it, Cameron. Uh, despite the fact that Discovery never aired once in 2023, um, we'll kick off our conversation about you know Discovery. Ahead of the premiere, of Discovery, which uh, I think Wilson Cruz was saying that it, it should be premiering or ex expected to premiere in the spring. Um, I might rewatch the final two episodes. Um, you know, I, I do remember out of that season, um, the second to last one, uh, Species 10C was the name of the episode. That was the best episode of the season. Uh, the finale was a turd, but I just, I, I, I'd like to be reminded of like where we left off those characters. And um, I don't know. I'm not rewatching the entire season, though. No, there's no way I will. Um, I'm just like really thankful that Discovery uh, season five is ten episodes. Like, thank <laughs> God, that is the greatest of gifts that ever could have been given to me. Less Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, oh, that's brutal, but man, uh, uh... That's what the that's what that the that creative team has done to us though. Like, yeah. like we want less of them. <laughs> like <laughs> So if Jonathan Frakes, who's very comfortable directing Star Trek, like he is more than happy to just be out there directing Star Trek episodes as the you know series keep going. And you know what? He can pop into lower decks, do voices on that. But if he can have like his, you know, Wrath of Khan Spock death scene. That's a pretty great way to kind of like put a button on the legacy of that character. Yeah, but here's my fear. He dies in episode five and then uh -oh. the final scene, uh, episode 10, it's Tom Riker showing up and it's just him saluting Picard. He's like, Jean-Luc, let's go on our next adventure. And the music <laughs> swells and we're like, oh my God. 
Yeah. <laughs> or, really? or Riker dies and they're laying him in the casket. And like Troy goes to like, ru- you know, run her hand along the side of his face. And one of the, <laughs> one of the sideburns comes off. And then she looks up, you know, awe. And like we cut to a ship somewhere. Riker's there in the, you know, in the seat. Blur's song two kicks in and we fire off into the stars. <laughs> Cam, I, I wouldn't put it past these writers. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay. But he's dressed up like one of the starship troopers, right? Obviously, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. I want to put it past these writers. Also, Star Trek remains problematic. <laughs> She's like, so how can we stop seeing each other, Jonathan? And he's like, well, I was your superior officer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, awkward. But then I think, didn't she say something like, well, you're not my superior anymore? And it's like, yeah, buddy, come on. Like, high five. Like, let, let's... And then... I'm sorry, this made me laugh. Didn't he say something like, you're forgetting the climber's code? <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> well, I don't know. I was wondering, you know, like, when I started seeing the climbing scenes, I started thinking of Mission Impossible 2, you know, which uh, was a big <laughs> deal. But then I was like, wait a second, Brendan Brega had a writing credit on Mission Impossible 2. Is this an homage sure. to his work in Mission Impossible 2? <laughs> No, <laughs> I can say quite definitively, no. Maybe Tom Cruise knows the climber's code. <laughs> I, w- I would not doubt that. Tuvok is given command, permanent command of uh, a Voyager. And when we kind of flash back to him in the captain's seat, he's still wearing like his gold uniform. And I think he still has like Lieutenant Pips. And I'm just like, well, wait a minute. Um, you're the captain now, sir. Like, uh, get those pips going. Like, pretend you're the ECH, and they just materialize right on your collar. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. I need to do the fan edit on that one. Get some uh, yeah. effects work going on. I'll get right on that, Cam. <laughs> yeah. My my VFX expertise will come in handy finally <laughs> after all these years. You know, there was the guy that did the um, the effects work on Data in um picard season one to make it look a lot better yeah and got a lot of attention i don't think you'll get the same amount of attention for your cg work here <laughs> uh no i'm more like the guy that would take um luke from uh, mandalorian and make him look even worse in uh, the visual effects department <laughs> if that's possible it's like a wireframe <laughs> yeah like, or, it's, like, it's a stop motion version of um you know claymation version of uh luke <laughs> Or Mr. Paperclip from Word. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, no, it's like Jason and the Argonauts, but like, uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, like in the past we had the episode, or the the convention where they screened the episode, The Outrageous Okona. And we had, um, what's the name of the comedian? Joe Piscopo um, came out and talked about (laughs) making that episode. Like, that's the kind of crazy stuff I really enjoy. And as you said, like, I would have enjoyed, like, the Trials and Tribulations doing an episode that had maybe, like, a more technically difficult challenge that they had to pull off. And then bringing out, whether it's the Akudas or someone else involved in, you know, the effects, the production design, something like that. Breaking down that episode. I just don't know. 
they only had, I don't know, three weeks to a month to figure this out, but it still feels like this is the kind of thing that you could have figured out. Like, they could have, this is an opportunity for Creation Entertainment, who runs this convention, to get creative. Um, the word creation and creative, they're kind of connected there. Uh, <laughs> it seems to have been lost on them. So, look, we can pick on them. Um, I still enjoyed my time at the convention. Don't regret uh, spending money uh, at all. Um, it was just, it was a weird one, though. But, um, I don't know, Scott's, uh, are, are, are there fun panels like that kind of jumped out to you informative ones you know um or you know what <laughs> let me ask you this what did you think of the voyager documentary panel i wasn't there <laughs> i was though tyler Have you, i can't uh... tell you guys apart <laughs> yeah after this many days you can't tell us we're, apart. <laughs> we're day eight or nine in vegas at this point it's just like <laughs> you all blur together <laughs> I was speaking in a British accent the whole time, so that does make sense how you'd confuse us. Mm. Sure enough. Okay. <laughs> and for those who've been following along with the show week to week, I have been away in Europe. So we are going to catch up this week on Lower Decks, as well as the very short treks, the recent animated tributes to the original animated series that some of you may have caught. So, um, Tyler, why don't we start maybe with the first episode? Sorry. Tyler, why don't we catch up? Ah. Tyler, why don't we start with Damn, you the really latest have been episode? Stuck in Europe for... <laughs> <laughs> have you adjusted to the time zone difference? Because it doesn't seem like it right now. Oh, I'm still lost. Why don't we get, check in with the latest episode of Very Short Treks? What a wacky collection of clips, and I hope you all enjoyed listening to those as much as we did going through the uh, you know the episodes of the past and pulling them for you all. But there's some clips that you guys haven't heard yet from the archives. That's right, I'm talking about bloopers, because I know there's one thing that's always kind of a bonus that comes with these best of the year episodes, and that is when we look our worst. <laughs> and we're here this week to talk about the 37s, the uh, season two premiere of Star Trek Voyager, but we're gonna ask the question, it's not a question, but we're gonna wonder, hmm, I don't wanna phrase this. How about you throw it to me? Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. The 37s, you say, Tyler. How is it? I still not, uh, I'm still unable to wrap my head around how uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse Mercy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I want my free coupons now. And people, uh, I, I do not recommend Fresh Slice at all. And <laughs> I think Tyler's saying, aim better. I agree 100%. Aim better than Fresh Slice. Uh, flesh, ah, aim better than Fresh Slice Pizza. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith and joining me on the bridge. This is Tyler Orton. I've got nothing. Oh wow! <laughs> I wasn't even. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like the first time that I like I've, I I've been put on the spot before, and I um I've just made something up. But this this came in uh, blank. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, save this for the bloopers and yeah, throw yeah. it back to me then. Okay. Uh, so I had uh next up I had Ash Tyler as my uh, number five. Um, sorry, my num I had Ash Tyler as my number six. And sorry, I'm getting my numbers mixed up because I actually had them backwards. I had it 10 to 1 with the, you know, 1 being 10. Basically. So listeners, on the uh, Star Trek Genius episode, Cam cannot transpose his numbers. Um, I just want people... 
Okay. Okay, fixed. Um Wait. Is it? That long pause can tells me you, you you still haven't figured out how to transpose your numbers. Well, Cam, uh you know me. I always like being stupid. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh dumb takes and that mean both in the figurative and literal sense there. Okay, so I think on that note, the assignment that was the year 2023 is complete. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, we want to hear from you. Jump on over to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash pod and let us know what some of the best Trek moments of 2023 were for you. We would love to hear them or let us know the worst. Those are just more fun. You can, of course, also leave reviews for us wherever you get your podcasts. They very much help with rankings and ratings. Let's make 2024 a banner year for subspace. That would be amazing. You can also find us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I'm at Cam. V is in Voyager panel. I was there, Smith. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, and you can find me at Reportin. That's R-A-P-O-R-T-O-N-N as in New Year, comma, happy. <laughs> okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. Transfer complete. I think there was drool coming out of your nose and eyes. <laughs> <laughs>